Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Last Thursday, the residents of Jackson, Mississippi, were finally told that clean water was restored in their city. But that announcement came more than 40 days after the Mississippi Department of Health put the state's capital under a boil water notice. And it's just the latest chapter in a long history of water system problems and interruptions in the majority black city. So what's the solution? Today, Politico's Annie Snyder on why some advocacy groups say water funding decisions in Jackson should no longer be led by the state government, but instead by the Biden administration, the options and avenues those groups are pushing for, and how the Mississippi state government and the Biden administration are responding. It's Wednesday, September 21st. So, Annie, you're reporting that some civil rights groups and environmental groups not only see racial bias as a major cause of the Jackson water crisis, but they're now debating new strategies for taking the Republican-controlled state government out of the lead role when it comes to steering federal spending to Jackson. So why is that? So a lot of environmentalists and civil rights advocates look at what happened in Jackson and wonder why this flush of federal dollars that's been sent to the states in the past couple of years, why more of those dollars weren't making it to the city of Jackson. The problems with the Jackson water system have been well known. The water treatment plant that's really the workhorse of the system was built the same year that World War I began, 1914. And the system has been having problems for years. Residents there have faced boil water orders for the better part of a year. And EPA had been raising alarm bells around this. There are public documents going back till at least 2020, chronicling major problems at the plant and legal documents trying to force the city and state regulators to do something about it. Yet despite all of those known problems, we didn't see any of the dollars that went to the state for this year through the bipartisan infrastructure law for water funding. None of those dollars were being allocated to the Jackson water system. And when the state decided to tag $450 million that it received through earlier coronavirus relief for water infrastructure, they actually added an additional layer of review for any applications coming from the city of Jackson. And so a lot of advocates have looked at that and said, gosh, that does not look as though the state is addressing this crisis in an equitable way. They look at that and ask, gosh, does the fact that the city of Jackson is majority black, is disproportionately low income, and is this blue dot in a red state, a democratic city in a Republican-controlled state, they look at that and say, are those factors potentially causing the governor, his administration, or the legislature to treat Jackson inequitably? Interesting. And so you lay out a range of options that advocates are pushing for. First, can you break down what those are? And then also just kind of like, what are the most and maybe least likely options are we talking about here? Yeah, so the lawyers are looking at this and saying, you know, if we've got questions about whether the state is treating Jackson equitably, what are the things that we could do to affect it, to either force their hand or to essentially try and go around the state when spending federal resources 
they're homing in on a couple of things. The first one that I think there's a decent chance we do see action on would be a complaint filed under federal civil rights law, either in the courts or filed with an agency. So federal civil rights law makes it illegal for any entity receiving federal funds to discriminate based on race, color, or national origin. And in the past, we've seen these kinds of complaints kind of left to languish at the agencies. But the Biden administration has put a new focus on these, and we've seen them get some of their teeth back. In particular, there was a recent fight over relocating a metal scrapping plant in Chicago from a wealthy whiter neighborhood to a poorer community of color on the South Side. And the Biden administration's Department of Housing and Urban and Development used its authority under federal civil rights law to threaten the city's access to federal dollars if it allowed that move to go forward. And we're seeing an interest in using that sort of authority when it comes to water infrastructure under the Biden administration. So that is probably the most likely option. The other thing happening right now is that there is conversation about supplemental funding being sent to Jackson, potentially in the funding bill that needs to be passed by the end of this month to keep the federal government open, or potentially in a later iteration of a federal funding bill. And I'm hearing discussion about whether you might be able to write that supplemental funding in a way that would essentially take the state out of uh, control over where those dollars go and put another entity, perhaps EPA, in an oversight role of those dollars. So essentially trying to find a way to route federal dollars around the state. In your report, there is a third logger shot option, right? Yeah. So the third option, which has come up in the past when we've seen drinking water crises, I'm thinking particularly of Flint, is the question of whether the state actually ought to be in control of implementing the federal drinking water law in the first place. The Safe Drinking Water Act lays out some basic standards for what is needed to provide drinking water to clean, safe drinking water around the country. And so 49 states, including Mississippi, have been given the authority by EPA to implement those requirements within their borders. And there is question now about whether that authority, it's called primacy, ought to be reconsidered in the wake of Jackson. I've heard some discussion about whether an inequitable distribution of federal resources would be cause enough to revoke a state's primacy under the law. But as you say, that one in particular, I think, is a longer shot because If Mississippi were no longer in charge of implementing the Safe Drinking Water Act, that would mean EPA would have to be. And the high profile stuff is the spending of federal dollars. But there's a lot of nitty gritty work that has to happen on a day to day basis in order to oversee a state's drinking water program. And it's just not clear that EPA has the staffing or the bandwidth of the expertise in order to do that. Right. And so how has the Mississippi state government defended itself from claims that shortchanging this majority black city of Jackson when distributing federal water infrastructure dollars. I mean, you'd think they'd be resistant to strong federal intervention, but I mean, how are they trying to defend themselves from what you know? Yeah, so this has certainly been a question that has come up, but the governor's office has really avoided directly responding to the allegation. Of course, we've been in the midst of a crisis, and a lot of the key players here have really been focused on responding to the near-term crisis at hand and said that they want to focus on collaboration as opposed to finger-pointing. Right. And then lastly, the Biden administration. I mean, what have you heard about whether they're supportive of taking a more direct approach along the lines of what the advocacy groups have suggested? 
Yeah, so this is a tough one for the Biden administration. They, of course, have put a major emphasis on getting funding, particularly from the bipartisan infrastructure law, to communities just like Jackson, communities that have been historically left out of federal funding decisions in the past. And in fact, the problem is that the administration, and particularly when it comes to these federal drinking water laws, EPA, doesn't actually control the purse strings. You know, the money gets distributed through the states. And so this is absolutely something that the Biden administration and EPA have been thinking about. They have laid out guidance for how they'd like to see the law implemented, how they'd like to see these funds distributed when it comes to disadvantaged communities. And they have been urging the states to do so, but their hands are tied in a lot of cases. When the states decide how to distribute the water infrastructure dollars, they're supposed to submit a what's called an intended use plan to EPA. And EPA can review that plan It's unclear whether the agency has the authority to actually reject a plan because of what they see as inequitable distribution. But there's certainly been discussion of trying to increase scrutiny of that and also trying to increase scrutiny of how a state defines what is, quote unquote, a disadvantaged community. There are different rules for what kinds of dollars a disadvantaged community can get, how many of the federal dollars should be distributed to disadvantaged communities. But one of the threshold questions is, what is a disadvantaged community? And that definition is left to the states. And a state can decide to define it in a way that advantages or disadvantages larger urban areas where residents are primarily of color or where you have a lot of low-income residents. Also, Senator Joe Manchin said that Senate Democratic leaders are sticking with the plan to include his contentious energy permitting reform proposal in the upcoming short-term government funding bill. Manchin said Tuesday that he will release the text of the permitting portion of that legislation today. He and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer are betting they'll be able to attract 60 votes to pass that measure, alongside the continuing resolution to fund the government past September 30th, because of the risk that failing to approve it could cause a government shutdown. However, while many Senate Democrats are on board, voices on the right and left have called for splitting the permitting measure from the government funding bill. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.